The warm air, the sounds of baseball, it's got you thinking about hitting the road. And no matter where your adventures take you, Subaru of Gwinnett has a vehicle to get you there safely and in style. Like the 2024 Subaru Outback, sporting standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and up to 32 miles per gallon. Or the 2024 Subaru Forester, the SUV with a spacious and comfortable interior for everyone you want to bring along. Start your shopping online at SubaruofGwinnett.com, then come see us for a test drive on Satellite Boulevard in Duluth. This is the Ben Burnett Show, the only show in America that features a one-term has-been retired politician that nobody knows. Welcome into the Ben Burnett Show. My guest today is the voice of SEC football on CBS, Brad Nessler. Welcome in. Hey, Ben. Thanks for having me, man. Good to see you. Every once in a while, you get people, I just poke the station over at 680 and say, hey, can I get Marcus Allen? Or can I get can I get Brad Nessler and Ed, Matt Edgar, who is a, a gentleman in his own right? Yep. Is like, yeah, sure, he's a great friend of the show. And I was I was honored 75% of the time I talk to people in public service, which is fun, especially the ones that are outside of public service because they'll tell you the real story. Yeah, of, the real story. Of what used to happen, probably where a all lot the, like your coaches. Where all the bodies movies. are buried and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It, and there are so few people out there that have the perspective that you do as a play-by-play guy f- amongst various networks, radio and television. And I know you grew up in Minnesota, mm-hmm. and I know that you can go anywhere and hear that story. For the kids at home, how'd you get into radio and just decide, man, this is like where I'm going with my life? You know, I just thinking about it last night because um – there was something on TV, and, and the little kid was telling his dad what he was going to do when he grew up or what he wanted to do when he grew up or whatever. And I started thinking back, and people have asked me this before, and, and I've actually gone back farther, and I thought, I, I know what grade I was in. So I always tell everybody I was about 12 years old, but I, it was more like 11. And, you know, my parents were starting to say, what are you going to do when you grow up and all that? And uh, one day I said to both of them, I said, I'm going to be a sportscaster. And – my dad looked at me and he said, well, how are you going to make any money doing that? And I said, well, I don't know. I'm not worried about that part right now. I'm 11. And, you know, then a couple of years later, I think they were still hounding me and I was still sticking by my story. And then my dad said, you know, son, I think you should get in. There's this new thing. <laughs> this will age me. There's this new thing called computers. And I really think you should get on the ground floor on computers because you're smart enough and you'd be really good at that. And to this day, I I don't do very well with computers, but I did okay with the sports part. But anyway, that just you know that's where it all started. And I you know we'd go out and play in sandlot ball, and I'd be doing play by play while we were throwing the ball or catching the ball or whatever. And and you start sort of imitating the guys you grew up with, listening to, I guess, stealing things from them. <laughs> there's not a lot of originality, even no, today. no, there's not. There's not really. Um, you know, I could name off the probably 10 people I swiped everything from and they're all all of famers so at least I picked good people to steal things from but anyway I started doing play-by-play when I was well the first time I did a college baseball two innings of a college baseball game I was 17 and I wasn't in college yet so I've been doing it a long time did you just know doing those first you're like as good as I thought this is it's 10 times better oh yeah I think when you get to the game and you know that you can't play the game above that level yeah you know what I mean I mean, I played in high school and everything, but when you got to college, you know, I was asked to walk on on the football team, and I, I was like, no way. I got, I got better things to do than getting killed. I mean, I got into it immediately in, in college, uh, to college radio station, 
um, in, in Minnesota and just started doing games and doing sports shows and doing interviews. And geez, I blew a lot of the time I could have been partying in college by doing all that stuff. But by the time I was 20, I had a full-time radio job and I was still going to college full-time. So that was a little demanding, but, um, were you a solo guy on the radio? Yeah, I did. Uh, I did afternoon. I did a show from 1230 to six is weird, man. I got, uh, I got a weekend job just being a DJ type guy and I worked Saturdays and Sundays or maybe just Saturdays. And I worked one weekend and the guy that owned the station, Dick Painter called me up and he said, I got to talk to you. And I said, Oh man, I blew it in two days. You gotta be kidding me. And he said, uh, you know, I don't know if somebody got fired or died or whatever, but their afternoon guy was leaving. And he said, I want to offer you the full-time afternoon job. And I was like, I've only done two days. I don't think I was that damn good. You know what I mean? And he hired me full time. And so, uh, yeah, I'd, I got it together in a hurry. I had to, you know, and then, so I did, you know, it was news and sports and talk and uh, music, mostly a lot of news and, and music. But in those days you had to be everything to everybody. What year are we talking? And, and how, was, do you, how do you prepare at that time? Because now I've got the Google machine. Yeah, I know. Oh, man, I don't know. We had the old, uh, you know, teletype that had the news. And if it came in and it was, you know, urgent, it was ding, 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 ding. And you had to check that, you know, the AP wire all the time. So you'd go during a song, go in, you know, rip and read stuff or at least know what was going on in the world. I remember the two worst things that happened while I was on the air of uh, the year and a half that I was at that station is Elvis died. And John Wayne died and right during my shift, or that's when we got word of it anyway. And I was like, I'm only 20 years old. How, How do, do you I deal with that? this? Yeah. You know, and there are people calling and crying and everything. And I was like, oh man, this is a mess. So in Elvis's case, I played Elvis songs like the rest of the day. You know, I'm sure a lot of people did that and just sort of mourned along with everybody. Not that I was the biggest Elvis fan in the world, like, you know, liked Elvis, knew who Elvis was, but I was probably more you know, bent out of shape when John Wayne died. And I have to announce that because he was my favorite cowboy guy or one of them, you know? So some of those things that happened, I wasn't prepared and I didn't have Google and I didn't know what to do. I just like, trial and error, I guess, or something like that. I'm not sure. When you make a train, you move, you move to Atlanta and I know you, you called, do you run, you were on WGST right? and you ran play by play with Al Seraldo yeah. at Georgia tech. Right. And I know that when you guys started, they were bad. Oh. And I know that by the time you finished your run there, like, they were They were fun. really good. They were fun to watch. Well, here the first year I did that, and Al, Al and I split. Uh, he would do, uh, I'd do play-by-play in the first half. He'd do play-by-play in the second half, and we'd just swap off doing color. We were basically two play-by-play guys, you know, just sharing time. The first year, you're right, they were so bad in 80. I think that was Dwayne Morrison's last year when he was coach. And Brooke Steppy was the only player they had that was even ACC quality or even close. There would be like 200 people in the building at Alexander Memorial Coliseum, and 100 of them would have bags on their heads. It, <laughs> it, was, it was like the old Aints, you know, the Saints thing. It was so bad. And I remember Al and I, we didn't even have headphones like you and I are wearing right now. We had headphones, but we didn't have the kind of headphones with the mic hooked on. Al had these contraptions where he had a microphone hooked on to a an old hanger that he hung around his neck and then it had a clip on it. And so the microphone was just basically clipped on to a, a wire coat hanger or whatever. And I had the same thing and we really didn't need headphones because we could hear each other talk easy, easy. 
I mean, there was no crowd noise. There was no anything. You were the two loudest fans there. We were definitely – you could hear us do play-by-play in the top of the Coliseum. I mean, it was horrible. They got good when Bobby Kremen showed up, and then it was the hottest ticket in town, you know. I want to ask you, because you're a household name among amongst SEC college football fans at this point for sure. When you hearken back to the days like Georgia Tech, do you still find yourself as – you check in on Georgia Tech basketball because it was your life? Absolutely. Was it, my was my family too? I mean, and are you still a fan? Sure, I am, and I just wish they'd get up to that level again, and maybe Coach Stoudemire will get them there. I don't know, but you know, I was just you know we would travel with the team, and and you know they would play in like uh, the Maui Classic. Yeah, I, I bet even that say was Maui Rainbow Classic. You know that kind of thing. I'm sure, and, that was tough. Yeah, well, it was over Christmas, you know. So here, my wife and I, I basically not even a year removed maybe from 20 feet of snow in Minnesota that we grew up with. And, you know, we're in Hawaii for 74 Christmas. degrees. Yeah, and we're, we're using pay phones to call our folks. There's no cell phones. And using pay phones to call our family and say, uh, it's, it's 87 and it's sunny and, and we got sunburned yesterday, you know, out on the beach and they're freezing to death. So, but, you know, when you travel like that with a team, uh, same way with the Falcons when I traveled with them, you know, you, you became – family with those guys, especially Georgia Tech because I was so young. And then sort of the same thing with the Falcons because you went on the charter, you got to know the players, you hung around with the players. There's times when we went on vacation, you know, with the players and their wives. So, you know, that part you kind of miss, actually, thinking back about it. My father is a retired major in the United States Marine Corps. He's 70 years old now. And every year, when we he was stationed at Conway Bay Marine Corps Base Headquarters, right. we went to the Rainbow Classic, <laughs> and I have seen Duke and Georgia Tech, right. and, Can- and they had awesome teams come through. They did, they did. It was a tournament. It uh, really, it really still is pretty good. But back in the day, it seemed like every big name team I, wanted to go there. Christian Leitner and Bobby right. Hurley and yeah. the whole. I mean, I saw them all. Then I didn't have to even come out here. It was like they're coming to me, and my dad went to NC State. And he was there in the 70s, and they were really good. So he was a spoiled ACC basketball player. Oh, for fan. sure. And, but he would go, if there was an ACC team in it, he was still a conference-loyal individual. Oh, yeah, for sure. The old ACC, right? Yeah. The, the, he would say the real, real ACC. I remember the year one of the local teams beat Ralph Sampson in, in Virginia out there, and it was like it made the most news of any sporting event in, for months. Well, and, and you see – you know, my father is still a guy who he, I think he'd struggle to say Georgia Tech's an ACC school. I mean, he's that old school. And you look today at college football, which you are intimately familiar with and invested in. And for me, as a guy who loved the nine-team ACC, mm-hmm. who was it was my childhood. And you look at the ten or the twelve-team SEC back when you actually had rivalry games that, right. that meant something. And you see the expansion that's taken place over the last couple of years. And I don't want to put you in a tough spot because I know you wear the blue. I know you wear the blue blazer. <laughs> but it makes guys like I get the money. I get the markets. Right. I get all of it. I, I hate every bit of it. Yeah. I hate it. I, um, I've been in this. You already dated me or I dated myself. But if you talk about radio, I've been in it 45 years. If you talk about TV, I've been in it about 35 or six years and a lot of that time has been college i've been in the nfl too and nba and all that stuff oh we'll go back okay but uh, ben it's changed more in the last two years than it had in the previous whatever i want to say 35 36 
I mean, it's. I look at my watch. I go, what time it is it? You know, and 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 what teams and what conference now? And just in the last couple of weeks, it's been mind blowing. Uh, you know, as we get ready for this season and then all the change that's coming in in twenty twenty four. I can't believe it. Really, at, at CBS, you're entering your last year with the contract with the SEC, right? And I realize that you're from Minnesota, and so you probably are somewhat of a Big Ten. You, it's not foreign to you, but USC doesn't belong in the Big Ten, and I don't care what you no, say. No, I know. You're right. Have you enjoyed the opportunity to step in the shoes of a legend like Vern Lundquist and know that every Saturday, either at 3.30 or 7.30, when it's Alabama and LSU, that's my favorite game of the year. Right. Well, I mean, it used to be until LSU decided <laughs> they weren't going to be good anymore. Yeah. Uh, well, they were last year. They were good enough last year. Do you still get excited every week knowing that it's all about to change a lot? Does it affect the job for you at all? You know, we just, uh, we've been talking about that for about the last month. You know, we have our seminars and and meetings and Zoom meetings and just our particular team talking amongst ourselves. And, you know, this year is kind of weird because the first two weeks of the season, I'm going to do Big Ten games. And then I get into the SEC and do Georgia, South Carolina. And then I probably, I, sh- I, I shouldn't say because I'm not sure if I'm going back to the Big Ten in week three. But anyway, I'm going to do about three or four Big Ten games this year as we make our transition year. And then the rest of the time it'll be in the SEC. But I'm going to miss, you know, so many things about the SEC. It's just, I don't care if it's the Eagle flying at Auburn or the night game at LSU, the Grove, the Square in Oxford, you know, just go down the list. Athens, when I get a, a home game once in a while, when they strike up Sweet Home Alabama and Tuscaloosa, I go down the list. I can probably name just about every every city and every stadium and go, there's something I'm going to miss big time about it. But that being said, you know, you got to change with the times, and the times is they're going to ESPN, where I was for 24 years, and I've had seven great years in the SEC, and actually the previous eight years I did SEC games almost every weekend oh, yeah, with Todd Blackledge, yeah. and I did – two SEC basketball games a week for 15 years. So am I going to miss the conference? Heck yes, I'm going to miss the conference. But, uh, you know, we'll keep going and see what happens. Al, you, you mentioned his name, so I'm going to do it. Todd Blackledge used to always go eat somewhere. Oh, yeah. And I know you <laughs> probably rolled your eyes all the time. Is there any barbecue? Go. Oh, absolutely. And – even out of the SEC. We went to a place in Austin one time when we were getting ready to do Texas and Stubbs, been, Stubbs or Franklin's. Uh, might have been Franklin's. I don't remember, but it was unbelievable. And, um, yeah, the barbecue is, is the best. But to follow Todd around, you know, he has a different metabolism than I do. I'm only five years older than he is. He's a lot taller, which helps him. <laughs> he's, he's got some athletic lineage. He's, he's got, yeah, yeah. He's, he's got, got all good, that working good, for him. Good genes. But he can eat like nobody I've ever seen in my life. And so people would ask me, did you, did you do Taste of the Town with him all the time? And I would go probably about once every three weeks maybe, and I would have some small portion of something. But, you know, we had the film crew there. Uh, we had the producer there. You know, sometimes Holly would come with us, Holly Rowe. Sometimes the producer and director would even come along, depending on where we were heading and what we were eating. But I would weigh 350 pounds if I followed him every weekend, it was unbelievable. Yeah, but you know what? If you if you go out at sixty five years old and that's your life, like good for you, man. <laughs> no, I'm I'm going out with a bang, man. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> for, forget going to Cabernet. Yes, exactly, exactly. My wife's been on this no sugar salt kick, and I said, 
You know why you're gonna work? Uh, I don't know because I'd rather she, be dead. She thinks that she she thinks her face gets puffy or something like that. And I said, you know what? I'm going out with salt and sugar. I don't care. So anyway, we've been fighting over that. I have to add my own condiments as we go. You know, you look at guys like Chris Fowler, and he's got tennis, which is a little more of a every quarter kind of thing. Right. It, it gets going in the summer, but he's get he gets the once a year trip to Australia, which I mean I. College basketball is great. I don't yeah. know if it competes with that. <laughs> is there a sport out there that you haven't had the opportunity to to do? You know, because I I synonymously know you as a basketball football mm-hmm. guy through and through at every level. Right. Is there something that where you're like, you know what? You saw the Braves earlier this summer drag former player Hall of Famers into the uh, that was really cool in, into the booth. Yeah, I think you. I I just. I think you need to get on Bally's every every once in a while and be like, is that Brad Nestler? (laughs) Well, that'd be fun. I've been offered baseball gigs way back, and and, uh, uh, the Braves was involved. It wasn't the Braves play-by-play, but I – and I did baseball uh, in college, and I did college baseball even uh, down here. I did Georgia Tech a little bit, but it's just – it's a great storytelling play-by-play guys gig. And I don't know if I'm a great storyteller. Are you kidding? No, the guys that the guys that can do it are so good, and I could just listen to them. And it doesn't have to be on. I, if it's TV, I can close my eyes and go, "Man, this is good." If it's on in the radio and I'm driving around, it's even better. And uh, the guys that do it well are really good, and the guys that are just kind of getting into it, you can tell. And the guys that are out of place, you can tell. And I think I'd be one of the latter, probably. Well, I mean, let's assume that you're like one of the greats. And I, all the humble people are always like, no, no, no. I'm saying that up so you don't have to say it. <laughs> if there was something that you got the opportunity to do that you haven't done, because I know you've thought, if I had one more thing that yeah. I could do, what what do you want to do? It would have been. No, and, it will be. Uh, yeah, well, I don't think the sport's going to allow it to be because it's become a background sport to MMA, but, uh, boxing, I really, I'm a big, I'm a big boxing fan. And I did, uh, some golden gloves and stuff way back when I was a kid, I was probably 19 and I loved doing boxing and I thought I was good at it. And the, actually the first thing I ever did in TV was, uh, kickboxing PKA professional karate association. It was Joe Corley who uh, yeah, is yeah. from here in town. And Joe put together a thing that it was on ESPN on almost a weekly basis, and I had no idea what I was doing. And uh, Art Ekman, uh, who used to do it, um, that was here in town as a a sports director, uh, Art had done it, and so I watched tapes of him doing it, and then Joe would get me, you know, like on the mat and show me what a spinning back fist and a, you know, slide-up sidekick and all this kind of stuff was. So that was a learning experience because sometimes I was taking it in the jaw while I was trying to figure out how to do it. And then, you know... We'd go down to like New Orleans and stuff and do kickboxing, and I thought I was really good at it. I, that was new to me, and TV was new to me. I didn't know what an IFB was. I didn't know when the producer was talking in my ear if I was supposed to keep talking or be quiet or whatever. So I kind of learned TV doing kickboxing. So uh, boxing, you know, it's kind of taking a back seat to MMA, I it, think. It certainly has, but look, every there will be another Floyd Mayweather. Yeah, those those reality shows before the fights, the right. boxing ones, they're the best. They're awesome. I, the, I mean, I don't know anything about the actual fighting. <laughs> I will watch Floyd Mayweather run at three o'clock in the morning. Yeah, and be right. like, that guy's a maniac. <laughs> I, I I actually have one for you. I've talked to Scott McFarlane and I've talked to Matt Edgar, and they have agreed to submit for the Olympic credentials. Okay. And I said, I've got Brad Nestler. 
I bet he's has it. I bet he hasn't done the Olympics. And I said, we don't want to go do the Olympics. Like we're going to go watch the dream team. Yeah. I want Brad Nestler and me, who's never done play by play anything, to do marathon swimming and the canoe slalom. And I said, I just want those pipes. Like it would be viral if we did it. So I know you may live in conflict, but we could sell the sponsorship. Yeah. It, it'd be two weeks in Paris. Right. Nobody's making any money, but I promise you we would write it off the best of anybody ever. I, I spent a whole month in France doing Olympics. It was Winter Olympics. I was in Albertville. It was one of the ugliest cities I've ever been in in my life. The food was horrible. You'd have thought uh, that I would have enjoyed it, but I did speed skating, and I had no clue what I was doing. Well, I went over there, and I spent two weeks doing nothing but studying. And then we found a guy, a guy from Holland who was a, like a rain man on statistics. I mean, the guy looked like he was homeless and all this kind of stuff, but he he knew every split time for every race and all that kind of stuff. And then Eric Hyden was my color analyst. So, I mean, I had a good support staff, right? I but, will not be the good support staff yeah, on the on, yeah. on the canoe slalom. Okay. I'll be like, Brad, they are going fast. <laughs> but, Look at him paddle. Yeah, that was the year of Dan Jansen and Bonnie Blair and right. all that stuff. So made a lot of good friends while I was there and – so I did do an Olympics, so a winter one, and uh, it was I'm telling it was you, something different. The the Champs Elysees, and the twenty thousand dollar two week <laughs> house, and and we're gonna go to Ed Bastian at Delta, right? And be like, hey man, we don't know what what we're coming back with, yeah. But if you'll take care of the airfare and the and, and the VRBO, we are going with no rules. See, that's the way to do it because when I was there for the Winter Olympics. Just in the same city was um, uh, not speed skating, but um, ice ice skating stuff. And Vern did that, right? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so Vern did that. So we get done. We're done with our two weeks of speed skating. And we've got some friends. There's one Australian speed skater there. So there's a truck over there from Australia. And all these guys knew about speed skating was what kind of beer they had. And so we went over and joined them for a whole afternoon because they were our friends. That's and what we're gonna we, do. We had too, we had too much uh, Australian beer. Yes. So we went downtown to see the ice skating people, and we walked in, and Vern was there, and uh, Katarina Vitt, and all the people that Vern worked with, and they're all in these you know five hundred dollar sweaters, and they're drinking red wine by a huge fireplace there in a five star hotel. And you two rednecks. And we, all of us, came in the speed skating people. We had we called it a one star hotel because there was pillows. These guys had this beautiful place, and we come in, and it only took about five minutes. Vern saw us coming, and he goes, "Oh my god." And it only took us about five minutes to get kicked out of there. But that's the way to go. you got to have the five-star hotel, the beautiful restaurant, the great food, all it's, that. It's going to be an epic IRS <laughs> write-off. Like, I've already got the guys at 680 submitting for I, credentials. I can't wait. I, I, I'm taking that as a yes. <laughs> sure. Ed, Ed Bastion, you're on the hook. <laughs> we will make no money. We will cover events that we don't even know any. And we're it's not a good idea, and we're not researching. No, it will do really well. Just, just wing it. No research at all. Have yeah. no idea even what the paddles are called if you're canoeing. Or whatever. He, I, um, I'm glad. I'm glad you're in. Ella Dorsey <laughs> told me that there was no way you would do it, and I, Ella, you were wrong. <laughs> I and she told me she goes, I can't because I. Uh, and I was like, well, I'm still going to ask him, uh, but. We need we need a good meteorologist too to tell us That's about. That's true. We we're going to do it wrong, but we're going to put it together we're, correctly. We're going to do it wrong, but we're going to do it right. Let me let me ask you this. So when you look at changing, when you look at evaluating career decisions, like we'll take Vern a- aging and stepping away from CBS. Mm-hmm. 
and you were at ESPN for a while, and you had been at CBS prior. Right. How do you evaluate how to make a change, what the right thing to do for you is? And, and you know, do you have another one besides the Olympics in Paris, which yeah. is going to be awesome? Do you have another <laughs> one in there for you? Um, I don't know. The first time I was at CBS, I think they made the decision for me because it was a money thing because ESPN offered quite a bit more money. The problem is the guy that didn't uh, match it at CBS didn't last that long after that, so I think they were kind of ticked off that he didn't uh, come back and match their offer or whatever. So I was there for three basketball seasons and two football seasons when I was young, and then I went to ESPN, and ESPN and ABC, ESPN slash ABC, whatever you want to call it. Now Disney. Yeah, now Disney. And, you know, I was there 24 years, and, you know, I knew that – Vern and I have always been good friends, and I knew his uh, time was not at the very end, but coming up, and my deal was coming up. And so, um, you know, they got in touch with me and said, would you consider, you know, coming back home? They called it home. When I'd been at ESPN for 24 years, I thought that was kind of home too. Sure. Um, But I said, well, it depends, you know, when does it all happen? And they said, well, Vern's got his going away year, you know, so he can get all his rocking chairs and all his plaques and all that cool stuff he got. And it just so happened that the timing worked out. And so I came back and I'm, I'm happy I did. And this is the seventh year back. So all worked out. Okay. I'm not sure. And I don't mean this in an offensive way. I'm not sure. I see you as like one of the 16, 17, 18 guys at Augusta national. No, but would you do it if you had the chance? I know I wouldn't, I, I, I probably could have the chance if I pushed it, and I could probably have Vern's. No, don't, I should never don't, say don't that. You, don't you say that? That you <laughs> get out. Well, that would be the one spot they'd leave me alone because <laughs> I could just do it it's like a Vern. Par, it's a par three. I know he's I know. on the green. Yeah, and I know how where it slopes and where just by watching Vern. That's the one hole I never miss is watching Vern do that. So that's the other thing. You know, I, I guess if you just did one hole, it would be fine. But um, you know, I know that there's. I'm not going to name names, but there's been other guys that have done golf or thought they could do golf and they can't do golf so and nobody can touch jim nance sorry uh dan you know dan hicks god bless you uh the espn guys god bless you jim nance is the best i mean he's he's the best that's ever done golf and and i say that over guys like pat summerall who's my idol and my hero and all that and uh jim's the best he's he is and he's ageless yeah i know is it frustrating <laughs> i, I <laughs> Must be having young kids. I don't know. I, he's every time I see him, I'm like, dude, you could age. That would it, would, it wouldn't hurt you a well, little bit. And I and 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 he's like a good athlete. Yeah, and, and he's that's, a great golfer. It's, it's really kind of a shame. I like it, and he's kind of he's. You know, I'm not going to say he's a supermodel, but he doesn't age. No, nope. he's got a ton of money. Yeah, I mean, I don't know anything. But I, he but, does. I, but I know that he does. Yeah, and I'm like, man, this is like unfair. And he seems like he's really intelligent. Oh yeah, he's. Uh, You know, all the guys that make, there's a handful of people that make a lot of money doing what I do. And that's kind of just happened really in the last three or four years. And so, you know, the the misconception, I think, by fans or viewers or, you know, people that watch is that everybody makes that kind of money. And, and, you know, there's some guys in the right place at the right time. Sure. In the right industry. Then. Yeah. It's like, if, even if you went back, and I would love to see you do it at, at 680, if you ever got bored and somebody was out one week, like, you would love three hours in the afternoon with Chris Domino. Oh, those guys are unbelievable. They're, I sat in with them last year. Yeah. It was so fun. And <laughs> this is off the subject. My wife said the other day, we're in the car, 
and we're driving somewhere and we we're going to go for a four mile walk. And, but we had those guys on and I always do. And my wife said, okay, she was laughing at him and she goes, okay, that's on my bucket list. I said, what's on your bucket list? She said, I want to go and watch those two guys work. You're like, I said, we, we can do that. We can do easy. that in an afternoon. I know. I said, we could do that like tomorrow. <laughs> All I had to do is make a call to either one of them or Matt or somebody. Anybody. And she goes, no, I, 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 I don't want to take away from, you know, their, their act and their gig and everything. I said, you wouldn't, you know, the room's big enough. She goes, yeah, but if I sat down, I said, all you do is put headphones on and sit and laugh. She goes, there's a mute button. Yeah, I know. And she said, no, because they'd ask me questions. They would. They, they, they'd want me to answer questions and I don't want to do it. I said, well, then you could sit in the other room where the producer is and you could watch them through the glass. She goes, yeah, I don't think that'd be the same, but that would be on my bucket list. And I was like, wow, that's, that's unbelievable. Anyway, back to what I was talking about. She, um, she could, she would feel that way for about five minutes and then she would hit the blue button oh man. and start talking and it would, they would, she would own them. She loves it when they don't talk about sports and you know, they spend a good portion of time you talking can't. about whatever. It's August everywhere. It, yes. And, and I mean, <laughs> but this was, this was literally at three days ago and she goes, okay, it's on my bucket list. And I said, oh my God, if I can fulfill a bucket list for you, that's the one I can do in a second probably. But everybody, you know, thinks that everybody made the kind of money that, that be it Joe and, Troy or, you know, whoever, if there's a guy that deserves a whole bunch of dough, it's, it's Jim Nance. He works his ass off. I think, I mean, he does now he's going to give up basketball, but golf, basketball, football, he doesn't have much of a break at no. all. And, uh, and it's not worth making if you can't spend it No, And, and he spend, he does a good job spending it too. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, there are some players that, you know, that come out and do the color clearly. Yeah. How like Tony did, Romo started all that. That's what I was going back to get to, I guess. Yes, yeah, go ahead. Talked in, he, he was in the right place at the right time, and there happened to be a uh, kind of a, you know, bidding war for his services, and it just kept going up and up and up and up, and, and that's what turned into some of these guys making the kind of cheese they're making, which God bless them. You know, good for them. If, if you flip back into the NFL overnight, how difficult is it to change from college to the NFL, or is it really the same thing to you? NFL's easier. Really? Oh, yeah. A lot easier than college um, to do a game for me. There's anyway. 53 guys, and, yes. that's it. and you and know, it's really just 30. And, and you know about 40 of them, you know, <laughs> just by sight or number or name. Maybe not number anymore because that changes. But when you start worrying about 160 guys on a field instead of 100, that's a big difference. <laughs> you know what I mean? When when you look at the preparation for what you're about to get into with the season, mm-hmm. like just walk me through the week. Uh, my, my, is, my, is Sunday and Monday, Sunday a travel day or Saturday night? Sunday is going to be a travel day a, couple, a few times in the first month of this season, which I don't like because Sunday is supposed to be my my one day to smoke cigars and uh, hang out. Uh, go with my buddies and watch the Falcons. Yeah, that's exactly what I do, too. <laughs> and that's my Sunday routine. If my wife comes, great. If she doesn't, I'll see you at 4 o'clock or whenever the game's over. Um, that's the one time I get to see my friends, my so-called friends anyway. Yeah, and, that's yeah, fair. Yeah, fair. Um, yeah, then Monday it, it kicks in it kicks in hard and fast and sometimes you look back at the game you did before. Most people do that. I don't very much. Gary does, our producer does. You don't watch film. I, I don't watch our game that we just did. I figure I just did you, it. You lived it. I lived it and there's things on there that I'm sure that I would have liked to have back, but it's too late. And there's probably some things that were really good and I'll find out if put out an Emmy reel for me at the end of the year or something. I don't know. I just figure that's, that's behind me. I got to keep going. And then, you know, then I start watching film of uh, the other games that are the teams that are coming up. 
Uh, Tuesday and Wednesday are Monday's kind of like lay out the basics, you know, get everything sorted together, the depth chart and all of that. You, know, you, you start talking to SIDs. And, does, does that seem like work to you? It does when the end of the day, when, when I haven't been working for a while, like I haven't been, you know. Yeah, you're looking forward to the first time. Yeah, uh, kind of. Or the second week. First week, I always say to my wife, I want to make sure I still know how to do this. And she goes, I think you'll figure it out, you know. And then <laughs> once you do it, you go, eh, I was okay, but I was rusty or whatever. And then go back and then week two, um, you start getting into a routine, you know, and she knows. I mean, I might be sitting around the house at four o'clock in the afternoon watching Gunsmoke or something in the off season. You know, she's like, what are you doing? You're not doing anything. That doesn't happen during football. You know, it's like she'll, you know, get on the intercom or text me or something and say, are we going to eat dinner? I'm like, oh, didn't know it was that late. You know, so you kind of go all day long and keep going. And that goes through Wednesday. It's long days. Thursday's travel day. And then go to practice of the home team as soon as you get there. And then we go out as a crew to eat and uh, you know, for dinner. Have you ever just rolled into a Saturday afternoon game just hung over as a dog? Uh, I did. I did one time on a Falcons game in New Orleans, a Sunday game, a noon game in New Orleans. Well, that's a hard place to not do that. Oh, man, I had a bad headache. Ken Burrow and I were out pretty late. Uh, Bob Dickinson, who was an assistant PR guy for the Falcons, I'm telling stories on guys I shouldn't tell stories on. <laughs> we kind of went out too late in New Orleans, and it was a noon game, 1 o'clock start east, noon game down there. When we walked in the stadium, and uh, I was like, oh, my God, my head hurts so bad. And I had my head just on the table, and I had my headphones on and everything, but I hadn't had to say anything yet until you know literally five minutes before because uh, other guys did the pregame show and all that. And I had my head down. And John Kramer was our producer, and old J.K. is going, Brad, minute, minute to air. And I nod my head. He says, 30 seconds. Ness, 30 seconds. And you, yeah, okay. And he goes, five, go. And I just go. We're at the Superdome in New Orleans as the Saints coming in with a 9-7 and seven record against the Falcons, who are 8-8. Eight and eight. And, it, you know, I just go into this deal, and Ken Burrow looks at me like, I don't know where all that came from or how you just went from having your head between your legs almost to that. And I remember when that game was over, first of all, the fans were so rowdy that day. And we had a, we had a security guard in our booth because the radio booth at the (laughs) dome is really close to where the fans are. They could actually jump up. And if you wanted to do a pull up into, into our booth, almost high five. you. Yeah. And you know, and, and they knew we were the Falcons broadcast team, not the saints. And so there was, there was cuss words going on, and there was, you know, people throwing beer, and it was crazy. And here I am with this major hangover, and, you know, we got done with the game. And I remember getting on the bus to go to the, to go to the charter, and I was like, oh, my God, I had never felt this bad in my life. But adrenaline for three and a half hours did its job. And so that's one of the only times – and that wasn't – I wasn't drunk. I was just hungover. <laughs> well, sure. I didn't ask the irresponsible yeah. No, I've never drank in a booth or anything like that. I want to ask you about – EA Sports and in the college football NCAA college football game because I yeah. texted my brother who's 38, I'm 40, and said, "Hey, I've got Brad Nessler coming on tomorrow." And he goes, <laughs> "I was like, what am I going to miss?" He was like, "Dude, he did the NCAA football game." I was like, "Oh shit, that was our childhood." <laughs> yeah. Uh, talk. How do you that if if you are under the age of probably 45 and at least 30, right? I bet everybody knows you from TV, but you and Kirk Herbstreit, yeah. On the video game yep. was my collegiate existence. I I I used to have, up until a few years ago, I used to have dads bring their kids up, 
and the kid wouldn't know me from Adam, you know, and the dad would say, this is my son, so-and-so, and I'd say, you know, hey, JJ, how you doing, da 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 and he'd hear my voice, and he'd go, dad, he's the guy in the video game, <laughs> you know, and now I've got the dads coming up. They don't even bring their kids. The dads come up and go, hey, man, I, I listened to you more in college than I did, you know, whoever, whatever band or whatever, so yeah, I get I get that a lot. I did it. I think we did it twelve years, something like that. So when you go, when you go shoot that, cut that, whatever you yeah. want to say, like, do you just sit in the studio for three or four days? <laughs> yeah, it, it, that's got to be horrible. Yeah, it was the first couple of years was four days, and they were like days, close to eight hour, day, you know, eight hour days. I mean, we take breaks for lunch and everything, but I'd never eat because I couldn't, I couldn't eat and get anything caught in my throat because I wouldn't sound the same as I did before I went to lunch. If that makes any sense. So you ate it, breakfast super early, and that was yeah, it. and that was it, you know. Um, but a lot of times, the first few years, they kept Kirk and and Lee and I separated. It had something to do with I was working for ES uh, ABC then at the time. They were su- two separate entities, but still under Disney's umbrella. And so one was a union shop and one wasn't. So they wouldn't wouldn't let us record them in the same booth, but. They could be plexiglass right there. and So dumb. Th- th- so dumb. They're in that room. I'm in this room. But then, you know, a lot of those days, they wouldn't be there because I was doing all the, the basic stuff, like every down and distance and every conceivable play, every conceivable team name and nickname. First in 97. Yeah, no, and you yeah, had exactly. To do it. And so, you know, they would think that I could do 97, 99, 98, 97, 96, 95-yard touchdowns on the same draw play. And I go, guys, we can't do it that way. And I was a lot younger then, and my voice was stronger probably. And I go, you're going to blow this thing out, and you're not going to have anybody doing these games. So we had to start staggering the stitching part and do some big plays, then go down to just short yardage, you know, pick up a two and whatever, and and then come back and do bigger plays later. And then they stitched it all together. And, and they said I was one of the better stitch guys because I knew how to say the same word 50 times in a row and leave the same ending on so you could get the next word involved. You know what I mean? So you do the name of the stadium, the city you're in, where the so-and-sos take on the so-and-sos. And so, you know, that's the way you did it. You kind of thought it oh, thought man. it through and left the opening of the name open and then said the rest of the sentence. Well, after you've done it for 7,000 <laughs> times. It got old, man. <laughs> so – one of the things that I had the opportunity to do when I was in college is I got to take pictures for college football media guides with the company that was based in Atlanta. And cool. I always said, send me to the Mountain West, send me to the Pac-10. <laughs> I don't, I've been to all the SEC stadiums right. a lot. Yeah. If you had to talk to people in the Southeast and tell them there's one, two, five places you got to go, what are they? Wherever it's played Army-Navy, be it Philadelphia, uh, New York, it's in Foxborough this year. That's less cool. Just No, it is. It's not the site. It's the site of the game when you get there. Right. So that's not the stadium. Yeah, I see what you mean. Um, Rose Bowl is, you know, pretty cool. Not a lot of bathrooms at the no. Rose Bowl. You probably didn't <laughs> not know that enough. from the booth. No, no, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we like it when there's a bathroom in the booth. That's the perfect spot. You know, something like Nebraska where I never had to buy a drink because the fans are so darn nice. You know, they cheer the opposing team, even when the opposing team's beating their Cornhuskers. Uh, Camp Randall Stadium in Wisconsin is fun because that's it, that's more fun because of Madtown and downtown, I guess. 
you know, and the the, the big step, Neil. Well, no, you said SEC, not SEC. Well, you can say it. Neyland is awesome. You may, you may awesome. make people mad, but yeah. it is awesome. Neyland's awesome because of the Vol Navies right there and the river. Oh, my uh, God. Have you done that? It's incredible. Oh, yeah. Every time I do a Tennessee game, I get up the morning of the game, and I used to go jogging down there. Now I go walking down there because I'm a walker, not a runner anymore. But I go right through the whole crowd, and, you know, people occasionally go, Nestle, what a bloody Mary. And I'm like, no, I can't quite do that right yet. You know, maybe after the game. You know, so I walk through the crowd, and I have a blast doing that. Um, so I have some rituals like that, I guess. Um, Oregon. You like Oregon? Yeah, that's that's really neat out there. Um, you know, there's some places that it's so hard to get to, like Washington State. You know, the Palouse. You're you're so many miles away from anything. Yeah. I, it's just unbelievable. You have to drive hours and hours to get to an airport, or you know, sure. Just ask the Pac Four. Uh, yeah, the Pac Four. That's right. <laughs> Cal and Stanford are a lot easier to get to than Oregon State and Washington State. That's for sure. Do you? Uh, and and the other one that I would tell people is BYU. Oh yeah, it's beautiful it, at Air Force or Air Force and BYU. And there's there're flawless pieces of real estate yeah. in the country. Stanford's right. really nice too, another Pac-4 school. Uh-huh. I feel sorry for them. Yeah, I do too. What do you how do how does that it? Somebody's got to pick them up, right? I don't know. I thought I thought for sure the ACC would do it just because of nothing else of their academic thing and the fact that they always win the Governor's Cup or whatever just about every year because of not because of their football team. Because it's probably the best university in the country. It's darn close, at least. And to have them just be homeless. Yeah, unless they go independent. I don't know if that's going to work either. You know, that didn't work for BYU. They tried it for 12 years. Notre Dame's the only one they can get away with that, really. And, and, and I would argue their leverage is waning, slipping a little, little bit. bit. You know, the kids in the South, they run 4-440s four, four or, or faster. Yeah. Yep. And, and they don't get them like they used to. <laughs> Brad Nessler, what an opportunity to speak with you. Take your wife to Avalon and have a bunch of drinks. That's what I'm going to do. I think I think you should. Yeah. And so let's She say- wanted to meet you, but I said I think it's more important that you get a head stop head start on the shopping because I don't really want to shop when I come over there. I just I want to find you and it's oh, just about happy hour. Bring her I'll tell you what. I record on Sundays for Extra 1063 the uh conservative talk station. And I'm not Cellini and Domino, <laughs> and it's only one hour, and I do it on Saturday and Sunday. And sometimes I pre-record it, so we could she could sit in, and nobody would even know the difference. That's probably on her bucket list, too. I, I would love it. <laughs> it's been another episode of the Ben Burnett Show. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks, Ben. The warm air, the sounds of baseball, it's got you thinking about hitting the road. And no matter where your adventures take you, Subaru of Gwinnett has a vehicle to get you there safely and in style. Like the 2024 Subaru Outback, sporting standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and up to 32 miles per gallon. Or the 2024 Subaru Forester, the SUV with a spacious and comfortable interior for everyone you want to bring along. Start your shopping online at SubaruofGwinnett.com, then come see us for a test drive on Satellite Boulevard in Duluth. Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words. It's life. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash John. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. 
Is there chaos in your closet? Look, Blouse, you've got some nerve hanging there like that. I can't help it. I'm jammed in here next to this suit. Hey, I'm a three-piece, all right, which means I need a little more room. You've got a lot of attitude for a linen suit. I'm a polyester blend, sweetheart. There needs to be room for men's clothes, too. Hi, I'm Christina, and in Artisan Custom Closets, we help families organize and simplify their closets with customized storage solutions. See what's possible for your home at artisancustomclosets.com and then call us for a free in-home consultation. 